Welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for music, movies, and more. I'm your host, Max Bowen. It was last November at the Rhode Island Comic Con that I met comic writer and artist Rich Woodall. After a little schedule tag, we got the chance to talk all things comics. Rich's resume in the field is very lengthy and includes working on major titles such as Savage Dragon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as well as his many indie creations. In this episode, we talk about his work as co-publisher at Black Caravan, an imprint of Scout Comics. Black Caravan publishes horror and sci-fi comics, and we look at the many titles they have out and what is planned for the near future. Rich shares his origins in the comics industry, how he met the folks that gave him his start, and the many amazing people he's worked with over the years. Hey everyone, how's it going and welcome back to the show. So good to have you here. Hope everything's going good. It is April. It is a new month. Hopefully we will see some positive change out there. But you know what? Speaking of positive, my next guest. Been working in the comics industry for many, many years. He's worked with some of the big names. He's worked on on, uh, indie comics. Uh, Comic creator, writer, artist Rich Woodall joins me. Rich, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know we... uh... We had scheduling conflict, so it's it. This has been an epic journey. <laughs> it has been an epic journey, and we're finally here. It's it's happening. Yes. We made it happen, and we're going to talk talk all day about comics. Love it. That's all my right. favorite subject. All <laughs> right. So there's so much ground to cover here, but I want to begin with um a Black Caravan, which you are the co-publisher at, along uh, with Joseph Schmalky and uh, James Hake the Third as the president. Um, yes. What led to this label uh, being launched, and what's that kind of the overall goal of it? Uh, yeah. So the 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 short version of the history of it is uh, Joe and I um, work with Scout doing uh, the Electric Black together. And um, that was, uh, at the time, it was their, their highest selling book. And, um, and Joe and I, you know, we're, we're pretty ambitious guys. And, and uh, we, uh, we love comics. We have a thousand ideas between us. And, um, you know, it's been one of my personal dreams to always curate a line of books and, and kind of have my own company. And so, um, so we, we approached Scout with, hey, what, what do you think about a, a horror sci-fi imprint? And uh, they were all for it. So, um, so they gave us the keys to the castle and, and uh, Joe and I went off and, and kind of, uh, you know, put together the, the lineup that, that we, we, we had, you know, through uh, both friends, friends of ours uh, and, and uh, so through sh- submissions and, um and we're super proud of, of what we built. Oh, it's it, actually, I was just looking, the first book we published through Black Caravan was the Electric Black Volume 1 Trade. And that came out two years ago this month. Wow. So, so it's, we're, we're officially two years old and, uh, and, and having a great time. I'll bet. And just looking at some of the tiles you have in this thing, it is a great collection of uh, Swamp Dogs, which has like zombie voodoo Confederate soldiers. You get the Shepherd, where a father who loses his son goes on a vengeance trip, basically with like with his uh, like magical amulet. Black Friday, where a dark force is is released into a store on Black Friday, which also has one of the dopest covers I have ever seen. Yes, I saw yes, the cover those for, covers are amazing. I, yeah, I, I saw the cover for like Black Friday. I thought, oh shit, whatever this is, I want it. 
I don't even know what it's about. Sure. I don't. I don't care. I just want it. Um, and so uh, you said that, that these people were mostly um, uh, friends of yours, but also folks who like went to you and said, "Hey, can we publish this?" Yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, uh, like I said, a, a lot of them, like uh, Peter Gorl, who who uh, created um, uh, Phantom Star Killer, um, was was a friend with Joe. Um, Joe had done all the art for the Phantom Star Killer blister pack stuff, not all of it, but mo- the majority of it uh, by far. And um, and so, you know, Joe said, hey, we, we have this this guy who's making toys over here and uh, it, this toy would be a great comic book and it would translate really well. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, to start a comic that already has a toy line is, is pretty cool to begin with. So um, you know, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe and Peter hooked up together and, and developed Phantom Starkiller out more. And yeah, so that was, that was one of the friendly relationships. Um, the Perhapanauts, uh, I'm good friends with Todd and Craig. And then we had other guys like, like John Clark from, from Black Friday and, and the Swamp Dog guys who, uh, who submitted to us. Uh, I can't remember if it was directly through our website or, or whatever, but, um, yeah, we, uh, We've been very fortunate and we've been very picky. You know, we, we wanted to curate a line that was pretty tight. We knew, um, um, you know, we, we could do 30 books a year, but we wanted to give attention to all these books and, um, and, and kind of do the best of the best. So, so we really wanted to keep our line to, to like a tight 10 to 12 books, um, so that's that's kind of uh, that was that was kind of the start starting thought of it. And you know, our biggest our biggest drive for for Joe and I are are just um, you know backing up our creators, um, doing the best for them that we can, and uh, and putting out beautiful uh, comic books that that tell incredible stories. So how do you go go about like uh, choosing uh, the many submissions to say okay we're gonna go with this one this one this one. Yeah, it's a it's a hard decision. It's 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 even more hard now. Um, once you get like six or seven titles under your under your imprint, um, then you're like, ooh, I've only got room for like four more, you know, four or five more, and then you have to start getting really choosy. And um, you know, the the way that that Joe and I work is um, it, it gets past me first with the art. If the art isn't up to snuff. Then it doesn't even get to Joe. Um, so uh, so I take a look at the art. If I if I like the art, I'll throw it over to Joe and say, hey, let's let's take a look at this. And Joe will, Joe will review it, uh, look at the writing and everything. We'll both look at at, at the story and the concept and uh, how many issues they want to do. Is it a one shot? Is it five issues? Is it an ongoing that kind of thing? And then we kind of then we decide like. Um, you know, does this fit into our schedule? Does this fit into to our brand, and uh, and kind of go from there? Okay, what would you say are some of the big uh, art do's and don'ts for you? Uh, the <laughs> do's and don'ts. Uh, you know what? Art is so um, subjective, and it's one of those things where um, I have to have um, I have to kind of step away from my personal likes and dislikes. So um, there, there are certain books that, you know, the art is not my cup of tea, but I recognize that it's good art still. It's not something that, that I am excited about, 
um, per se, but it is very good. It's well executed. The story is told well. Um, and I see that it, it could be viable in, in our comic market. So I kind of have to step away from, from like, oh, would I want that person drawing my, like a book that I was writing, let's say, and say, hey, does this art style fit the story that, that, that's being told? Um, and, and is it, is it a professional enough looking style? Like, I think that's, and, and, and I've gone through this personally, um, submitting to uh, different, different um, publishers and stuff. As artists, we, I think we all think we're ready, you know, like uh, when I was, when I was 17 submitting work, I thought I was ready. I was, you know, I'm ready for a Marvel or DC gig, of course. You know, you, you, um, but, but I think one really important thing is being uh, self-critical of, of your own work and um, seeing the flaws in it, fixing those flaws. Um, and I'm not saying don't submit stuff when there's still flaws in there, because, you know, you're, you're, you're most likely submitting the best stuff that you're doing at the moment. And, and that's always good. It's it, what I think is valuable from that is getting the feedback um, from other people, um, to say, oh, well, you need to work on this. Maybe, maybe try something like this. Maybe the colorist isn't working. Like, uh, we, we will get a lot of submissions where, um, the art is, is pretty good, but the coloring is horrible. And, um, and you know, it's, it, when you're looking at a comic, you look at the full package, you look at the lettering, the coloring, the line work, the writing, um, even down to the design sometimes of, of logos and such, um, you know, logos are easily fixed. Lettering is easily fixed. Coloring de de depends on who's, who's coloring and what their attachment to, uh, to the property is, you know, sometimes that's easily fixed, but, um, you know, all those things, if, if the line works not there, then you've got a lot, a lot of bigger problems. <laughs> So do you usually give that kind of feedback when someone submits, but you think, yeah, this is not really what we want? It, you know, it, it depends on, on who it is. If we know the person, um, we, we usually give them a little more feedback. Like um, Joe and I are, are, are constantly, you know, like I said, I've got a day job. Uh, Joe's day job is comics, which is great. Um, he, uh, but he's also, uh, you know, he's, he's full-time creating comics in addition to, uh, doing, doing kind of the, uh, the administrative, uh, side of things. So, um, a lot of them, we, we do have a standard form letter that says, thank you for submitting. If they, if they do come back and say, Hey, you know, what could I work on? I'm more than happy to, uh, to go down a list of, of reasons why. And a lot of times it, it's just, um, you know, we'll, we'll get submissions that, you know, we're horror and sci-fi and they'll, they'll send us, uh, I don't know, uh, an anime love comic or something. And we're like, eh, you know, it's just, it's cool. It's just not what we publish, you know? Yeah. I, I think that is a sign though, of someone who just doesn't know what they're doing. Like if you're going to submit, yes. know the company, know what they produce, check out their work. So you can say, you know what, this doesn't fall in line with anything you do. I'll go somewhere else. And yes, I think some people do a scattershot, uh, you know, kind of thing where they they're just like hey i'm going to submit to every publisher i know and hopefully somebody will take a look at it which i don't i don't blame them um i i never you know i i i'm never uh, against looking at anything I, i'll look at anything even if it's not of the genre because 
you know, sometimes you'll, you'll see something that's just absolutely beautiful. And um, in, in, at least in our case, because Scout is our parent company, um, you know, we can kick it over to them and say, hey, this isn't right for us, but maybe you guys would like it. Yeah, yeah. I would say, though, the whole um, uh, spray and pray method of uh, submissions, take the extra step, do the research, and go with yes. companies that fit you. For people out there who may want to submit their comic, like they have this idea, what should they be keeping in mind into like proper submission process? Yeah. Um, so uh, what we what we like to see is, I mean, if uh, the more finished uh, a comic, the better. So um, if, if it's uh, colored, lettered, illustrated, written, all that good stuff, um, you know, a, a pack. The more art and um, uh, pages we can see, uh, the better. Uh, at a minimum, we need to see like five to ten pages. Um, in a row. <laughs> so we, we've had some where they're like, here's page one, three, and 12. And I'm like, eh, that doesn't help us figure out what the story is, you know, but, um, but about, about 10 pages to a full comic um, PDF format would be great. Um, a, a kind of a cover letter, introducing yourself, telling us uh, who you are. Uh, maybe if you have any credits, if you don't, we don't hold it against you. Um uh, and then a synopsis of of kind of what you want the story to be, uh, what you see as the future of the story, uh, things things like page counts and um, and how many issues you want it to be are always helpful because that's that's usually the follow up email if we are interested is oh well what do you what are you thinking like uh, you know is it ongoing is it limited is it a one shot like what what are we thinking here. Okay, all right. Now, you just released, um, or rather, uh, recently released a new title, um, uh, Pentagram of Horror, which I gotta yes. say, the cover is so dope, but the art looks oh. really, really cool. I read that that that, that uh, this one has a fairly big, like, emotional connection for you, and I, and I was curious as to what that was. Oh, uh, I don't know if it has an emotional connection with me, but it, um, it, it is an amazing book, and that was one of the submissions that we got that, like, as soon as I saw the art, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. This, this gets, this gets signed off on. Like, this is absolutely beautiful. Um, he, he does just amazing work. And um, uh, he's one of these guys that's just nonstop uh, creative. He, you know, once he's done with this project, he's onto this next project and it's, it's even bigger than the last thing. So uh yeah, just from from a, a, a an art point of view, I was blown away by it. I actually um, in uh, let's see, what was it? One of the last issues of Electric Black, um, I, I I totally swiped his color palette and did a story with. <laughs> I was so I was so just uh, in love with it. I, I totally stole it for uh, an Electric Black short story. Well, they say imitation is a sincere stuff or a flattery, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I want to actually, actually talk about the whole like, horror comic genre. Where is it now? Who do you say are someone like the bigger names involved with it? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's amazing. Like, right, right before we kind of popped on the scene, um, horror comics seemed to start really popping up you have you have books like um something is killing the children um 
Colin Bunn writes a, a thousand horror books that are all amazing. I think it's one of those genres that, I mean, it's, it's always been with us, right? Um, but it, it does seem to have a resurgence in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years um, where I, I think, um, I think horror comics are kind of the new superhero comics. It's, it, it, it almost seems like uh, the majority of independent comics are focused on a more horror kind of um, slant to them, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, they're they're uh, they're everywhere, and I think they're all doing really well, which which is kind of cool. Which is another reason why we we thought, hey, you know, this is a good time for us because we love horror, the horror genre. Um, this is a great time for us to to kind of jump in there and, and do our thing, share our stories. Mm-hmm. Something is Killing the Children was such an amazing series. I tore through that because, like, the cover was like really cool, but also the titles, like, huh, are, are they being like literal or are they just, or is it just like right. a euphemism that I read? It's like, oh no, they're very, they're very literal in this one. There are actually kids dying in this one. Right. <laughs> right. That That's definitely one of the things that, that I, as a creator, I'm, I'm all for. Like, I, I want to see people be uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I, you, you, you're, you're trying to get an emotion out of people and um, you know, giving them that with the title, it set up, sets up some expectations. And if those expectations don't pay off, not that, you know, anybody wants to kill children, but um, you know, if, if you have a movie called jaws, there better be a shark in there, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think uh, that that was one of the the cooler titles of, of the last couple of years that, that, really really i think brought a spotlight onto horror comics in general yeah definitely because i feel like horror comics before maybe say like before like 10 years ago were limited in their scope because it was only like certain there was like of of course like um uh zombie comics were always like really popular um tales from the crypt obviously really popular but i felt like there wasn't the variety that uh the variety that that we have today i mean like awa they produce some amazing horror comics like Hotel yes. Hell, um, yes. Year Zero. There's others I'm forgetting. Oh, um, uh, Grendel, <laughs> uh, Grendel, Kentucky, I think it was. Um, yes, yes, I that love was that one. That was a great one. It's a, it's a good mix of like, it's got plenty of gore, of course, which is what you show up for. Right, but it's right. a good story too. It's not just relying yes. on the bloodshed and the graphic content to sell the book. Right, right, exactly. What would you say is a good example of a horror comic done right? I mean, we talked about something is killing the children, but like, I guess I'm looking, I'm, I'm asking more for like qualities. Like, what do you think is a good quality of a winning horror title? Yeah, I think that's really, really, again, super subject, subjective. Um, uh, what I personally, so it, this is this is kind of a, a roundabout way of talking about this, um, Joe. Uh, my partner is is very much into 80s slasher films, right? That that's kind of his sweet spot. And I'm really into uh Universal Monsters. You know, I like I like old black and white cheesy movies. Um I, I I enjoy the other stuff and Joe Joe enjoys you know other genres, but those are kind of our two sweet spots. So uh for for me a good horror book um what one I think the this is this is a, a technical thing, and and most people are good at it. 
um the pacing of the comic um where where you have uh reveals uh on the left left hand side is pretty important so you you have your setup on the right you have your reveal on on uh on the next page on the left um those things are very important i think um i think artistic style is super important you know it's it's one of these things uh i i i'm a old school bernie wrightson fan so I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, the darker, the better, um, more ink on the page, uh, the better. Uh, I love, I love, you know, Mignola Hellboy stuff. It's got a lot of ink on the page. There's a lot of black on there. And, that, and you know, you, you look at, you look at uh, anything Mignola does uh, versus say, say something like something is killing the children and you, it's a different you it's universal monsters versus 80 slashers you know it, it is a very different you know it's a wide range of uh of of things within the horror genre um i personally like uh the i like uh kind of mystery kind of things i like um and like i said the darker the better nice nice um Oh God, I was trying to think of the name of it, but there's a title that was out on Comixology. I will think of it later, but um, but but it was like set in in, in this like very like remote village. It was around during the time of I believe uh, the Civil War. This, this I think is a good example of lots of ink on the page. It was a very dark setting, so it was just a really good haunting atmosphere. That that sounds awesome, and that also sounds um, isolation like. That's a that's a great thing to throw into a horror comic. Isolation and no cell phones. So cell phones, uh, cell phones, I think, ruin the plausibility of a lot of horror things. Like you, you almost have to write yourself out of cell phones. Like the reason they're not working, either the battery's dead or there's electromagnetic whatever interference. Uh, just because cell phones can get us out of a lot of trouble right now. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, like imagine uh, the Blair Witch Project, but with like iPhones. The movie would right, be over right. like five minutes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to ask a bit about like indie comics in general because we talked about this prior to the interview beginning. And how would you say that the industry has changed? Because my perspective is that it is really expanding a lot in recent years and that it's giving creators a chance to really shine where before they had far fewer options. Yes. Yes. When, when I start, so I started doing indie comics in, uh, 1994. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, and that, and that was, it was very indie. It was, um, you know, it was kind of a local Boston scene. We got, uh, you know, I had, I was, I was with a group, uh, a publishing company called red mercenary comics that I think only released maybe one or two comics and maybe and and not even like through diamond or anything kind of like locally published uh kind of things and um through that i met uh you know another artist and he had a book and um we're, we're friends he had like eight pages in the back of his book that he needed to fill so he asked me if i wanted to do something i said yeah sure and i had no idea what i wanted to do uh and i i just happened to be like i don't know watching Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, what, whatever it was. And I was like, I want to do a sci-fi thing. And thus was born Johnny Reagan. And um, back then it, it was, you know, it, if you were doing indie stuff, um, you, you were, you know, it's a, it's either a Xerox machine 
or if you had enough money to actually get it printed professionally, you know, it's small runs of a couple hundred books and, um, and you're, you're, you know, going store to store trying to hand sell them or, or going to, uh, you know, your local comics, you know, whatever is within driving range and, and hoping they'll pick up a couple copies and stuff like that. Um, and, and it's still like that, but I think now um, with, with self-publishing, it's, it's, the doors are wide open. You, there, there's, there's dozens of self, of uh, printers out there that will, will print anywhere from one to, you know, thousands of copies of, of whatever you send them. Um, you know, there's overseas printers, there's, there's uh, printers here in the U S and, um, and you can, you can get anything done. And not only that, but there's web comics. I mean, web comics are huge. That's, that was kind of the second life for Johnny Reagan. I did, I did that one issue with, with my buddy and, uh, and then, and then I was doing things and uh, it just kind of sat there and, and sat there and I was writing stories for them and everything. And, and it wasn't until uh, I probably late nineties that I started seeing uh, guys like John Gallagher and uh, Steve Conley doing web comics, you know, buzz boy and, and um, uh, astounding space uh, thrills. Like those, those books were, are those, those online series were amazing. And they, they made me realize like, Hey, I, these, these guys are doing this. I can totally do this. You know, and I, and I did Johnny Reagan like that for a little while. And, um, you know, I didn't get nearly the attention that they got. Uh, but, but, but I put out, you know, I, I was doing it a lot less than they were <laughs> and a lot less professionally than they were, but just the, the idea that anybody, I mean, high school kids, kids in elementary school, whoever has access to the internet can, can put out a, a comic at this point and, uh, and get exposure and, and, and learn from it and, um, you know, take those next steps. And, you know, all these little steps lead you to, you know, wherever you're going to go in the future. Exactly. I would say like Webtoon is a really good um, example, I think, of like webcomics becoming like major hits because you'll have people who will like publish the work on Webtoon and before you know it, they have like a million followers, they're getting like printing deals, they're getting like other opportunities. So I definitely agree with you there that like webcomics are opening a, a lot of doors for folks to either have their work get seen by a wider audience, but they also might say, oh, they'll get a call one day from someone from like Dark Horse saying, hey, I saw, I saw your title on, you know, yes. you know, so-and-so app. Would you like to work for us? Right. Absolutely. I, uh, that, that's, that is one of the best parts, again, of the, of the internet in general, uh, whether it's Webtoons or if it's, um, you know, uh, an art gallery site, um, uh, you know, where, where you, can, you can be seen by thousands of people. Um, between getting commissions and being hired for, for work. Like it's, it's, it's no longer the, uh, the time when you have to live in New York city <laughs> to get jobs at Marvel and DC, you know, you can you know, live anywhere. You can send in your stuff, um, you know, via email in a, in an instant. Now it's, it's great. This question is a little more speculation and hypothetical, but do you think the fact that indie comics are becoming such a big deal that it's making big companies like, you know, Marvel, DC, but also like Image, Dark Horse, and so forth, think, hmm, maybe we should like change our approach to things? I, I would hope so. I mean, I think, um, you know, again, like I said uh, at, the, at the beginning somewhere, like uh, 
self-evaluation is is a huge part of of growing and um you know to me if 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 i were to run one of these large companies i i would look at the field and and see you know what it, it this this goes back to the early days of comics you know uh dc is doing a superhero thing and it's going well all right now marvel's going to do a superhero thing and see how that goes you know it, it was one of those things where uh you know they used to ride those genre waves uh you know westerns are big now horror is big now love stories are big now superheroes are big um i think um looking at that you know the, of course you always have your core your core things with with these large companies because they have you have to keep the keep feeding the machine but i think um you know uh, the the ability to to have like incubators and grow uh other things uh would be would to me be a very smart thing to do um you know again the 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 web comic stuff marvel uh, I know, I think both Marvel and DC have both kind of embraced that. A li- they're dipping their toes into it. Um, I have the Marvel Unlimited app uh, because I, I uh, this is a nerd side side story. I, um, I picked it up because you could read in order of publication date. And so I started with 1961 and I'm up to 1993 now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I stopped reading everything in the late seventies. <laughs> uh, there, there just started to be some things that I just wasn't that interested in. I'll flip through every single issue, but uh, I don't read everything. And now that I'm in the nineties, it's even worse. But, um, <laughs> but uh, again, that's personal preference. Um, but uh, on the Marvel unlimited app, they have, they have strips on there now that are formatted like webtoons. Mm-hmm. And they, it's the the top top to bottom scrolling instead of side to side. So so they're definitely looking at that. Um, I don't know if they're, I, I I don't know what uh, data they're getting on the back end, but but I'd be interesting to see you know what the readership is like uh, just for those. Yeah, that's a good question actually because I feel like that would fit better with like reading it on your phone necessarily right. than like a, than like a tablet because with like their other comics everything right. is just like side to side so yeah right and i read on an ipad so it is yeah i've and because i'm reading in order i'm trying not to read too much modern stuff like every once in a while if there's something that i missed at the store i'll be like oh yeah i missed i missed that new hulk the donnie kate's hulk or whatever yeah and uh, i was like oh i gotta try that and then i'll go to the store and pick it up but yeah i've, I've flipped through a couple of the web comics and it's kind of cool i also have the dc app um and dc is doing it in a kind of digital first uh way where it's still traditional left to right you know page by page kind of thing um but they're releasing certain things digitally first and they're sometimes they're shorter um i i think it's a great way to experiment and test the waters you know uh i would love to see them do something that that has um a little more weight behind it where it's, it goes back to uh, testing out new talent. Like it's a great place. You don't have to pay for publication. You know, you're not, you're not spending all those thousands of dollars on, on paper uh, and you, you can get audience feedback, um, you know, and, and see what, what kind of sticks and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's uh, kind of like a bold new world because of when because like whenever yeah. I go to the comic cons, I'm seeing lots of like indie creators like yourself, you know, out there, you know, like talking about about their works and they're getting like huge response that they just didn't get in the past. I want to sw- yeah. uh, swing back though, uh, talking about your <laughs> own career in comics. Um, in 1994, you mentioned that that was your first indie title, but was that your first foray into the comics world? Kind of. I, you know, I I had always, <laughs> as a kid, uh, I, I was about, I was 12 or 13, and I, I we moved around a lot as a kid, pretty much once a year, every year, whether we wanted to or not, <laughs> we moved around. So, uh, you know, I was always the new kid in town. Um, a lot of times it, it, uh, you know, we would move in the summer, so I didn't have to, most of the time didn't have to leave school, like halfway through a school year or something like that. So, um, so, you know, it'd be a lot of summers with just my brother and I, <laughs> and, um, we moved to this little town in Arkansas called Stuttgart, uh, not Stuttgart, Germany, but, uh, Stuttgart, Arkansas, same, same spelling. And, uh, we lived like two or three blocks away from a 7-Eleven. And, uh, it was, it was probably within the first couple days, within the first week that we moved there, I rode my little Huffy bike, you know, down to the 7-Eleven and I, I, I had had comics before, you know, it, it was the GI Joe and Transformers. It was the, it was the stuff that was on TV. Um, I'd had a handful of other Marvel titles, some DC, like random things. My parents probably bought me comics just to, cause I like to read, and they would, you know, here's here's something to 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 just kind of bide my time with. But I never, I wasn't really into comics at that point. Um, and I uh, I go to the Seven Eleven, and I see um, Classic X Men Seventeen, and it's uh, a John Bogdanov cover, and it's Wolverine, and he's in chains, and he he's got the circus posters behind him. It's a reprint of an old burn. Uh, uh, uncanny x-men beautiful cover and I, something about that cover i was just i was amazed i'm like that that's what i want to do with my life i want to draw comic books and um kind of went from went from there so sorry i i know that was kind of like an off-track version but uh <laughs> at that point i started drawing my own comics uh with with a friend of mine and kind of every town I would move to, I would, you know, at, at that point, comics weren't the coolest thing in the world to uh, to be into. So, but there was always at least one other person that was into comics, and and I would search them out and find them, and uh, and we would draw comics together, and then I would move and find somebody else. But um, yeah, I would do little little comics, and then um, in in '94. Um, I was at a, there, there used to be these shows in Boston at the Radisson, uh, near Chinatown. And, um, uh, it was like once a month or something and they would have three or four guests, you know, a bunch of dealers and everything. And, and I knew, you know, I, what I, being from small, small towns in Arkansas, you don't get comic conventions. So, so, uh, I took the bus from, from New Hampshire to, to Boston and uh, brought my little horrible portfolio, uh, which was, you know, it was, it was whatever kids had in high school for like, it was bad paper and just poorly drawn and everything. And I, I would go and I would take it and get get reviews from, from artists and stuff. And as I was walking out one day, 
one of the one of the shows i heard editor and and i turned around and there's a guy and he's kind of surrounded by two or three other people and they're showing them his port their portfolios and i'm and i'm like ooh editor that's the guy who gives you a job <laughs> like i just i got to get I, this is the first editor i've ever met i got to get him to look at my portfolio and it was horrible i wanted to be jim lee so badly and I did Jim Lee so badly, uh, but but this editor saw something in me, and and he uh, this was the Red Mercenary uh, Saeed Dabinga um, was his name. He um, he took a chance on me, let me draw a couple pinups for 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 some stuff. But what he really did was, um, and, and this was maybe, maybe this was a, a selfish thing. I don't know. I was a kid with a car. I was 16 years old. I had a car. They lived in Boston. They did not have cars. So uh, going to conventions up and down the East Coast, uh, you know, Philly, Pittsburgh, New York, um, you know, I drove, I drove the whole crew uh, up and down the coast. And, and, uh, and it, it, he introduced me to people. He got me tables at, at shows. Um, you know, I didn't do a lot of work for him. Because it was, I, I was only doing pinups at the time. I and my sequentials were really horrible, but he, but he was he was exposing me to, uh, you know, all these things, and and uh, and it was it was pretty amazing, you know, for a sixteen year old kid. You know, it, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Morales, the inker for for Marvel, but he was one of the guys that we would pick him up in New York, and then we would drive to Philly, Pittsburgh, whatever, and. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was a great experience growing, you know, uh, kind of learning the ropes from that point of view. God, I, you have just described every like comic fans childhood dream, I think to get like involved in like some way, like, yo, yeah, I drove like Mark Morales around. We would drive to all the different conventions. That's such a cool thing. And, and, yeah. and, and just think if you didn't, if you didn't like have the car, who knows? Right. right exactly. Yeah. Mark Morales and uh, Rob Stoll. Uh, Hannibal, Hannibal King, um, trying to think who else, you know, a lot of Boston, Boston guys, but again, they just, they, and they took me under their wing, you know, they were, they were great and, and teaching me things all the time. And it was, it was pretty awesome. I, I definitely, uh, got a better education out of, out of that than, than trying to, you know, I guess just do portfolio reviews at shows and stuff. Yeah. Working with some of these big names in comics, any like important life lessons they ever gave you? Um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I worked really closely with Craig Russo uh, a lot. Um, we, we did a book at Dark Horse uh, called Kyra Alien Jungle Girl, uh, which is now at Scout Comics. Uh, but, but working with Craig um, has taught me a lot about being professional. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the, the super important things that, that you got to learn early on. And I, I don't always follow those rules. You know, I break them myself and, and, and then, and then look back and regret it. But um, uh, yeah, just, just um, you, one of the cool things is, is uh, all these creators that, that you meet, they're just people. They're just people like you and I, 90% of them are really cool people and will give you, uh, you know, a lot of extra time. And if you, as long as you're polite to them, um, they'll, they'll, they'll help you. 
Um, and, and because of that, I've, I've always wanted to help other and, um, and, and, and try to try to help out people that, 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 uh, that want the help for one. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, just, just being polite is, is, it goes, goes a long way and, uh, and being patient. Um, those two things go a very, very long way. And, uh, you know, things, things don't move on your timeline, <laughs> you know, not all the time, uh, thing, things move on other people's timelines and, and that's okay. And that it, it sucks when you're waiting and you're eager. Um, and sometimes that will lead to you being pushy and that doesn't always work in your favor, but, yeah. um, but just, just being polite, uh, it, it goes, goes a very, very long way. Oh, definitely. I think that's probably one of the, one of the biggest things I've heard from like other folks is that professionalism, and courtesy are two of the biggest things you want to have, you know. Yes, you want to be ambitious and you want to be not necessarily pushy, but you want to be proactive. Right. But there's yes. a line there, you know. There's Once a good you cross yeah. it, that, that's it, you're done. Right. Yeah, there's a good way to to write an email that is proactive and not pushy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> take your time with the email, folks. Take your time with it. Yes. Write a draft, read it a couple email. times cuz you never know. <laughs> right. Yeah, wait a day if you have to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um now you've worked on so many titles over the years. I could list them all, but then we'd be here all day long. Sure. Of course, your <laughs> yeah. own uh any titles such as um uh, Sergeant Werewolf, The Electric Black, but you've also gone to work on Savage Dragon, which I saw that. I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Because I'm a huge Savage Dragon fan. Oh, uh, cool! Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So you've done some art for them, and I, I love those comics. Those are some yeah. of the best comics out there. I'm curious about how you approach like the big name titles, getting to work on a title that could be potentially seen by hundreds of thousands of fans. This goes. This goes back to kind of how I. I so, so after doing the 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 Red Mercenary thing um, for a little while. Uh, and kind of spinning my wheels, uh, you know, I met my wife, we moved to, to Maryland, and, and I kind of dropped out of comics, you know, going to conventions and things like that for a very long time, for three, four years, which seems like a, an eternity. Uh, and in that time, I was doing the Johnny Reagan web stuff, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't giving me a lot of attention. Moved back to New Hampshire, um, and that's when I started doing conventions again, but uh in there, uh, I met this guy, Matt Talbot. And uh, he, again, it, it, it was kind of like my childhood. You move to a new town, you find the one other guy that, that loves comics and is doing comics and you team up with them. And uh, Matt and I, uh, we, there, was a, there was a Boston convention coming up. We, we both went to the same local comic store in, in, here in town. And um, we... Uh, you know, he was doing uh, a lot of the design work for, they, they were putting out kind of a, a newsletter once a month. And um, I remember seeing, seeing the art. There was, a, there was another artist here, Eric Evanson, who uh, was doing a lot of the covers for, for the newsletter. He and Matt would kind of switch back and forth doing, doing the newsletter covers. And, uh, and I asked the, uh, the owner of the shop, like, hey, could I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough I don't know if I'm as good as these guys, but would you mind if I did a cover? And that introduced me to Matt. And when I met Matt, Matt was doing a uh, a coloring seminar at the comic shop. Uh, and I don't know if anybody was there to talk to him. He was kind of sitting at a table alone. But we started 
talking. He had done a pinup for Savage Dragon. Um, and we started, I was like, oh my God, Savage Dragon's one of my favorite. I love Larson. You know, we start chatting and then loving Larson turned into talking about Kirby. And I'm like, oh, I love, I love Jack Kirby. And my son's middle name is Kirby. Uh, and he's like, oh, and he, he pulls out his backpack and his backpack. I don't know why he's carrying it around with him, but his backpack is full of Kirby collectors. The, the magazine, the tomorrow's magazine. So, so I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is like my soulmate here. And, um, and we started, you know, we started working on the newsletter together and, and stuff. And there was a, there was a Boston convention coming up and uh, there were, there were about four of us. There was another guy, Nev, uh, Nev, Eric, Matt and I were, were like the local group of guys. And, and we got together and we said, Hey, it would be cool if we self-published something small for just to sell at this, this Boston convention. Like I haven't set up in a table for six years at this point. And uh, we, we, uh, we put together a comic. Well, <laughs> we, we had planning meetings. Uh, everybody knew what they were going to do. I had this Johnny Raygun thing and I was like, Matt, you, you letter, you ink. Like I was doing everything by myself at, at one point. I was like, would, and you write, like, would you mind working on Johnny Raygun with me? He's like, oh yeah. So we ended up doing like a 12 page story together on Johnny Raygun. And it was, it was one of the, the most fulfilling creative processes I've ever had. Cause we, we kind of share the same brain. Like we both think the same way when it comes to superheroes and, and nostalgia and modernizing some of that. And uh, it ended up being that, that Matt and I were the only two that actually produced anything for this comic. So it turned from a, uh, like the four of us doing something together to just a Johnny Reagan comic. We took that to Boston and I think we, we lost like 50 cents on every issue that we sold. Cause I think it cost like $3 and 50 cents to, to print. And we were selling it for $3 or something, but that led us to, uh, to doing Johnny Reagan. And I've forgotten your original question at this point. And I apologize. Uh, that's okay. I, I do ramble. No, no. I love these stories. This is so cool. Um, so my original question was working on like big name titles, like, oh, uh, like, yes. like you know, <laughs> Savage Dragons that kind of change your yes. approach versus working on like your own stuff. So, so the, sorry, that was a long, long winded way of saying uh, once, once Matt and I did um, Savage or uh, Johnny Reagan, you know, Matt had had this in with Larson where he got the pinup published. And I was like, well, do you think he would publish another one if we did something? And he's like, well, he's very, he's a very nice guy. We just got to email him and like pitch him on something or just send him the art. So uh, we, we did, we, I can't remember what we did. We did a, a pen up together. I penciled it, he inked it, sent it to Larson. Larson said, great, I'll publish it. And I was like, oh my God, that was easy. <laughs> so that was at the time where, you know, Invincible was coming out. We, we contacted Kirkman and sent him a pinup and he published it in like issue four or five, something like that. Um, uh, and then we just started doing all the creators that, that we liked. If a new title came out, we would contact the creator very nicely and say, hey, we love your book. Here's some of the art that we've done. Would you mind if we did a pinup? If you're running pinups in the back of your book, would you would you consider running our stuff? And they would, most of the time it would be one of those like, yeah, if, if it's good enough, we'll run it kind of thing. And so we would do it and send it off. And, and 
almost every single time they ran it. So that was that was really cool. It was just a nice way to kind of connect with some of these creators. I don't know if that that would still work today because people don't run pinups all that often. But um, I know with Gods of Brutality, we've done that with with several creators that have contacted us and said, hey, kind of the same deal. We we like the book. We would love to do a pinup and we're more than happy to run that. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of one way of getting our shoe in. And we we just kind of, you know, with with Eric, Eric was extremely nice to us and very generous um, talking to us. I think um, Matt and I met him in person for the first time in Chicago. And it was one of those, he's kind of, I don't know, legendary for, for this, where he would go to Chicago and, you know, everybody's hanging out at the bar um, or the, the kind of common area. And, and he would just get a group of fans. It, he wouldn't be hanging out with all the creators. You got Gene Ha over here and you got, you know, you got all the who's who of, of Marvel and DC he would be hanging out with like eight to 10 fans and he would just, we, we stayed up till like two or three in the morning talking about comics and uh, you know, he's a big Kirby nut. So of course we, we probably talked about Kirby for two hours. Um, and that led to, <laughs> uh, he was, he was like, um, I've got to get to the air. I don't know how it came up. He's like, I got to get to the airport tomorrow at, at like noon. He's like, I gotta, I gotta find a taxi or something. And Matt and I kind of looked at each other and Matt's like, well, we, we rented a car. Can we drive you to the airport? So he's like, yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we cut out in the middle of a convention that we were set up at uh, to drive Eric to the airport for like two hours. Uh, but that it was a it was a fantastic ride. He told us all about his plans for Savage Dragon for the next year. Um, but that just those little relationship interactings were, were great. It led to us doing, um, we did the origin story for Kill Cat uh, in one of the issues, several pinups. And then later when we were doing Johnny Raygun, we, we kind of ended Johnny Raygun uh, with an issue six. We were sitting there trying to figure out what we were going to do for, for the next issue. Um, and uh and we had done a pinup for, for our, uh, like a, like a commission for, for a friend that was a Savage Dragon fan and both Johnny Reagan and Savage Dragon share a dimension X. So we did Johnny Reagan and Savage Dragon in dimension X and we posted it on the image boards and somebody said, Oh, wouldn't that be an awesome team up? And Larson goes, go for it. And, uh, and then, you know, Matt and I's jaw just dropped and, like holy crap and we ended up doing the johnny Reagan savage dragon team up which took 15 years to do but but we finally finished it and put it out and that was it was a good time damn yeah what a story <laughs> long, long what, stories what yeah. a story though you want you, you you must have like a million of them um, uh, i do have a million <laughs> that's so cool man that's so cool um so what do you have working on right now what's coming up in the world of uh, scout comics and black caravan yeah we've got we've got a lot of new stuff that that uh that hasn't been released yet um you know the the rest of the year is looking pretty cool we've got a, a kind of a a samurai lovecraft kind of book coming out called blade the dark um that's going to be pretty cool it's all black and white um really really neat style um 
let me look at my schedule here. <laughs> I can I can give you a, a somewhat of a rundown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Sergeant Werewolf, uh, which I had done through Kickstarter. Um, we're going to reprint that um, with a new cover, maybe some new internal material uh, later this year. We've got a, a book called Phantasmagoria, which is uh, kind of Victorian haunted ghost kind of stuff. That's that's really cool. Uh, the uh, story of Vanity of uh, Elizabeth Bath. That's the true story of Elizabeth Bathory um, is is coming out pretty soon. Maybe this month. I don't. Yeah, I think maybe it's this month that's coming out. That's going to be a really, really cool book. Uh, we, we've got a, kind of a kooky book called uh, The Ballad of, of um, Gordon Barleycorn. And it's it's kind of um, adventure time on crack. <laughs> so Damn. It's, it, it's a really weird... I mean, if you can imagine... Adventure time's already kind of trippy. This is like intentionally trippy version of, of that with like a hippie... Um, uh, uh, musician it's it, it's a really really cool book um we got more swamp dogs more broken souls ballad which is my personal favorite book that we put out um we've got a we've got a, a kids book which is a little weird oh for us. <laughs> it's that's coming out in in october it's it's at a different size it's kind of the the square kids size but it's uh it's kind of fun horror um but it is a, a an actual kids book. It's not a not a mature audience book. Um, more pentagram of horror. Uh, Rad Wraith, which I, I don't know if you've seen Rad Wraith, but it's it's basically a kid that that was a skateboarding kid that gets bullied a little bit, gets killed, and then kind of comes back as a kind of zombie thing that you know enacts vengeance upon everybody. <laughs> yeah, those are those are like the big ones. Um, we've got another book by uh, J.K. Woodward uh, called Behemoth that's going to be cool. So like fully painted and all that good stuff. Those are, those are the big things right now. It's uh, it's pretty exciting to, to, to look at all this more, more electric black down the road. Um, when Joe and I get some time to write it. Um, uh, we've been, we're, we've been looking for other artists to draw it. So that's been, that's been kind of cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, more and more creator own stuff. I've got, I've got a couple other creator-owned books, um, kind of a, a, a Dracula tale called The Bloody Ring of Dracula. Um, that's uh, it's It basically it picks up right at the end of, of the Dracula novel, but instead of him being destroyed, he makes his way to Mexico and becomes a lucha wrestler. It's very weird, but it's, it's with my uh, Gods of Brutality partner, Mark Welzer, is doing all the art um it's just gonna be kind of crazy fun stuff i like it man wow it's that's a lot of titles i like that i like that yeah <laughs> all right well rich man this has been so much fun talking comics of course I'm loving the work out of our black caravan folks check it Thank out you. scout comics as well some amazing titles but where do folks go to follow you and learn more about your work um, you can, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I, I am on Twitter and Instagram, but I never check those. So, uh, if you contact me there, I, I probably won't see it. Uh, Facebook, I'm, I'm on all the time. Uh, I have my own personal website, which is a, the longest URL in history. It's project Pandora entertainment.com. 
Um, and, and that, that has kind of a list of all the properties I'm personally involved with. Um, it's got my store up there so you can buy books and, and, and all that good stuff. Artwork. I think there's some artwork up there to buy, but yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Rich, definitely looking forward to the next uh, conversation. I'm sure there'll be many more stories to come. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was great. You're very welcome. This is Angelina Singer, author of the Upper World series, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout, the best podcast for independent artists. Picture this. You finished your first book and nailed it. The plot, the characters, all the twists and turns. This one's a winner, and all you need is the right cover. If you've got my art skills, this is the part where panic usually sets in. Enter the cover villain, hero to writers everywhere. Founded by noted author Remy Flagg, Cover Villain focuses on composite image covers for science fiction and fantasy writers. Give them the details, and they'll craft a cover using popular trends that everyone will want to see. But wait, you say, I've got ideas of my own. No problem, as Cover Villain loves a good collaboration. As they say, our goal is to put a little villain in every cover we make. Want to know more? Then head to CoverVillain.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, everyone, that brings this episode to a close. Big thanks to Rich for joining me, and definitely check out the work of Black Caravan and Scout Comics. They both produce amazing titles. I know you're going to love them. You can follow this show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. Get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com and check out the show wherever you find podcasts, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. As always, keep those ears open.